Hey, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here. I see a lot of faces uh, for the first time. I see a lot of faces for the second time. Man, I'm really, really glad you're here this morning on this 4th of July. We're going to celebrate freedom. This is the only red, red, white, and blue thing that I had. My tie. This is my fireworks right here. These are my fireworks, right? And um, I want to... Um, I want to talk to us today as we continue our series on freedom, and this is how I'd like for us to start. Raise your hand if you have uh, ever grumbled in your life about something. All right, thank you for playing. Put your hands down. I want you to be honest now. Reach deep down inside. Raise your hand if you find yourself grumbling about something currently. You're just, uh, you're grumbling. You're grumbling about something, all right? Awesome. So um, you're not unique. Sorry, you're not unique in that way. Uh, The Bible is full of grumbling people. The Bible is full of people who um, at some points are happy and at other points they're frustrated. Uh, this week, uh, yesterday I was uh, doing my reading, my Sabbath reading, and I'm in the book of Numbers. I believe it was chapters 19 through 23. And it's time and time again of the people of God grumbling about their situation, looking back on their past, saying, wow, if you'd only kept us in Egypt, at least we had food there. At least we had all these things. And Moses would have to realign them. Actually, God would have to use Moses to realign the people because they would just get so frustrated. And in this one sense, uh, God gets aggravated at them and takes away some of their protection. And these snakes start biting them. And these, these snakes, this is in the book of, the, the, the book of Numbers. You can read this. Uh, uh, God, because it, God loves these people. He's made covenant with these people. But these people don't want him to be their leader. And so God's like, you know what? Fine. So I'm going to take off my, my protection from you. And these snakes break into camp and start biting people. And they're venomous snakes. And people start dying. And when people start dying, people start freaking out because people are dying. And I hate snakes. Like if you ever want to lose me as a friend, just get a snake around me. Because some of you crazy people have snakes in your homes on purpose, like as pets. And like that is the quickest way to get uninvited from New City Church is to chase me with a snake. Like I don't care. There's a lot of other churches that you can go to, right? And so anyway. Just being honest, being honest. Um, but God told Moses, after he hears the people's cry and they're repenting for their behavior, to make a bronze snake. And the reason it was bronze is because that word bronze and the word snake in Hebrew are very similar. And so a lot of people believe that the snakes were bronze, probably like an adder, something like that, very poisonous snake. And so Moses creates this, uh, this statue, if you will, up on a pole of a bronze snake wrapped around it. And he tells the people, whoever looks upon this snake, this snake is going to receive the curse. And it's going to protect you. And people look and people are saved. And in John 3, 14, I'll kind of read what Jesus says to you. Jesus says this in John 3, 14. He says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And so what happened in that moment? Something received the curse. Something received uh, the punishment. Something took away the pain. And it wasn't that the pain went away. It wasn't that the pain uh, never existed. It was that the pain was reassigned to this snake on a pole. And in John 3, 14, Jesus says, I'm going to be the one lifted up and the cursing is going to be reassigned to me. And so why am I talking about this? Because your grumbling is a weird, maybe uh, way of saying a curse. There's things in your life that you don't like. And because you don't like what's going on, you begin to grumble about life. And um, it's hard to follow Jesus and grumble at the same time. It's hard to be appreciative and focus on the things of Jesus because in him, we learn that there's only good things. But when we're grumbling about life, relationships, children, work, whatever it is that we grumble about, we, what, here's what I'm trying to say. This morning, I'm going to lift Jesus up. 
as best I can so that you and I can realign our eyes and our lives on him. Because you for too long, even if it's just only been one day, that's too long. You focused on the problem. You focused on the grumble creator. And because of that, you've lost your focus of what God is trying to do in your life. And if you continue to notice all of the grumbling, if you continue to look at all the grumbling and give it the priority in your life, it will lead you to destruction. It will lead you to destruction. So I'm going to do my best to talk about this awesome guy, Jesus. And I want to start in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. It's on the screens. It's not on the app this morning. So Jake lied in the video when he said, everything is here, but that's not my fault. All right. In the beginning was the word and the Word was with God, and the Word was fully God. The Word was with God in the beginning. All things were created by Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. In Him was life, and the life was the light of mankind, and the light shines on in the darkness, but darkness has not mastered it. There is darkness in your life, there is darkness in the world, but the light of Jesus always outshines, always overcomes the darkness. You don't believe that because if you believe the light was stronger than the darkness, you wouldn't grumble. So that's why I say, Lord, we believe, but help us with our unbelief. I want to uh, take you in uh, John chapter one, verse one through five again. And instead of it saying in the beginning was the word, the word, as we know, is Jesus. And so I want you to just to read this uh, along with me uh, or listen to me as if you don't want to read, uh, but putting Jesus in the place. So in the beginning was Jesus and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Jesus was with God in the beginning. Through Jesus, all things were made. Without Jesus, nothing was made that has been made. In Jesus was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is a really important part of the biblical story, not just in the New Testament. When you begin to see what God has been doing, that from the beginning Jesus was, then you see Jesus throughout the entire Old Testament. For example, I guess maybe, maybe instead of for example, maybe the best way for me to explain this is to tell you a story. So I'm going to tell you a biblical story this morning that I hope brings freedom to your life. And uh, I pray that the Holy Spirit uh, does, does honestly... Uh, what I prayed for Mark's son, Brandon, I pray that he would do. Th- Did you know the reason that Abraham was counted as righteous is because he believed in a God that could bring dead things back to life and make something out of nothing. I'm going to step on your toes real quick. Do you believe God can do that in your life? Do you have the faith that God could take something that's beyond repair and repair it? Do you think God uh, has the power and the ability to take something so broken, so damaged, so beyond whatever that he could restore it, not to where it's uh, workable, but that it is this beautiful thing? Man, may our faith be that this morning as we learn and grow together. I want to start this story. Uh, Every great story has a beginning. So I want to start this story. In the beginning, there was a garden. And if we believe John chapter 1, Jesus created all things and nothing was created without him. Jesus is the one who made the garden. Jesus is the one who spoke and things were. All things were created through him. And we know from the book of Genesis that Jesus spent a lot of time in the garden. He didn't like make it and go off, right? Like maybe an agnostic belief. No, Jesus was present in the garden. And the scriptures teach us that Jesus also made a man and a woman. Uh, As Christians, we often refer to them as Adam and Eve. 
and that Jesus spent time with this man and the woman. Think about this. Adam and Eve had perfect relationship with Jesus. How cool would it be if Jesus walked with you everywhere you went, and anytime you were about to make a bad decision, he went, uh-uh, don't do it. No, don't do it, right? I don't know if that's how he talks. I don't know. But that's what Adam and Eve had. They had perfect peace. Like these two individuals had it made. Everything in their life was beauty, love, and prosperity. Everything. They had no understanding of the word justice because everything in their life was just. Anybody in the room ever been done wrong? Yeah, right? Some of you are in the middle of being done wrong. In the garden, Adam and Eve had no idea what that was like. Everything was just right. Everything was beautiful. Everything was lovely. And everything was uh, prosperous. They had no wants. Um, But they had a job. Some of you may know this. Uh, They weren't on vacation in the garden. Jesus gave them responsibility. And uh, this garden, like if you've ever seen a picture of the Garden of Eden or what somebody thinks the Garden of Eden looked like, you see all these animals laying around and like Adam's laying by a lion. Listen, a lion was a lion like a lion is now. Like a lion would eat you. Like the garden was wild and the garden was untamed. And the reason that I know this is because what does Jesus tell Adam and Eve to do? to subdue and rule over the garden. If something's tame and if something's safe, there's no reason to subdue and rule over. Just live in it. But they had work to do because it was crazy. It was a jungle. It was massive and it took a lot of work. But Jesus gave Adam and Eve something uh, to help them uh, be very successful. And what he gave them was complete authority. Complete authority. What would your life be like if you had complete authority over everything you said and did. Like you could look at an evil situation and and command it to stop and it would stop. That you could see death on the horizon and stop death. I mean, you, you could stop any kind of hurt, any kind of destruction. Adam and Eve were given complete and full authority. That's To me, that's like, what? What's that like? It's like being Superman kind of with no kryptonite. It's crazy. But then, as we know in every story, something happens. And in this story, uh, Adam and Eve, they made a really crucial decision. They chose, in an instance, to follow a different leader. They followed a different leader. You might call him Satan, Lucifer, the devil, uh, the father of lies. But in the scriptures, someone else says, hey, follow me. And they do. Just for a second. Like, I think there's repentance for Adam and Eve. I think they come back to God. God uh, still has conversations with them. It's just different. But in this moment, they choose a different leader. And in that moment, here's what happens. And it's a, man, it's a biggie. Even though it happened just like that, it was a biggie. In that moment, they gave their authority away. In that moment, they took everything that God had given them, and they gave it away to the father of lies. They gave it away to the evil one. And man, he took it. Like, you got to know this. The enemy wants the authority. And in the moment that he grabbed that authority, actually the moment that Adam and Eve chose to listen to him and they gave him uh, their authority, their eyes were open, the scripture said. And what they noticed is what you and I noticed is that everything uh, is not, like, all of a sudden some things were more beautiful than other things. And everything began to compete for their attention. Everything began to compete for their authority. Everything began to compete even to speak into their life. And where there once was peace, now there's just simply chaos. And so now it's like, well, this is prettier and some things are lovely and some things are not lovely and prosperity. They got to work real hard and life. All of a sudden, what was peaceful is now just simply a big mess. And that's the story of the scriptures. 
over and over and over again, and also in your life, if you're not careful, your story is a story of moments of, hey, this is pretty good, but a lot of, man, this could be better. And the reason why is not because God is bad, but like Adam and Eve, we give our authority away. And you tell you how to act, how to behave. Like you, you, you say things like, well, that's just the way that I am. My, I just got a bad temper. I got that from my dad, right? Or I just spend way too much money. I got that from my mom. And, you, and we, we excuse what we do when in truth, every time we do something like that, we give our authority away and we assume the authority of someone else. Or we allow something else to tell us how we're, what we're going to do. You allow your emotions to tell you what you're going to post, what you're going to say. You allow your energy level to determine what you're going to do this afternoon or not going to do. <coughs> our authority, authority is gone and peace is lost. But this is what's fun. In the scriptures, when the time was just right, God breaks in, right? When the time was right, it's found in John, the same chapter, chapter one, verse 14. Look what uh, the, the, the apostle who Jesus loved, look what he said. Now the word became flesh and took up residence among us. We saw his glory, the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth, who came from the Father. When the moment was right in the story of God, Jesus breaks through and he is now here. The word, the one who has created everything, the one who shows up in the Old Testament time and time again in the form of an angel or some kind of powerful being. Now, man, it's like it's Jesus in the flesh and he is the one who's going to bring us our freedom. It's pretty powerful. Um. Now, here's what you got to know about Jesus if you don't know this about Jesus. You really got to read John. If you're like new to the Bible, I would say read the Gospel of John. It just gives you some great stories and great uh, information about who the person of Jesus is. But Jesus was really different. Has anybody ever told you that you're different? Didn't mean it in an encouraging way. They were like, there's something wrong with you, right? You're different. Jesus was different. Jesus walked around the neighborhood talking about this idea of kingdom. That there's a king that we follow and we pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And everywhere that Jesus went, he took that kingdom mentality with him. Everywhere he went, it got better. Nowhere did it get worse. This is fun. Like if you've never heard about Jesus, uh, in, you'll enjoy this. Jesus goes to a wedding. This is found in John chapter 2. <clears throat> it's first miracle that's recorded in the gospel of John. He goes to a wedding. And the wedding is having so much fun, the people at the wedding, that they run out of wine. And so Jesus uh, tells some of the, uh, the, the people serving there what to do to take some water, put it in the jars, and then take it. And the wine is not like the Bartles and James wine, all right? I don't know if you ever had Bartles and James wine. I'm not knocking. If you Bartle and James, if you're here this morning, I'm glad that you're here. Um, but uh, Jesus didn't. Make, Jesus uh, didn't make. He, the wine was so good that the dude got up and made a speech about the wine. Right? That's how we also know that Jesus didn't bring in uh, grape juice. Uh, nobody's ever made a speech about grape juice. Right? It was good, good wine. And the master of ceremonies came in and he made a speech about the wine. And his, you know what it tells us? What I, my little funny thing there is that uh, without a doubt, Jesus is the best bartender that ever lived. You think you're a good bartender? I don't think you ever had that job. Jesus is a tremendous bartender. Made the best wine. Uh, what about a caterer? Anybody ever worked for a catering company? Right? Jesus is the best caterer that ever walked. He fed 5,000 people with just a handful of food. You can't do that, 
right? Grandma's catering. Grandma, if you're here, welcome to New City Church. Grandma's catering can't do that. But Jesus took all these people on a hillside. They were hungry and too far from home, and he, he fed them. He, he took the fish and the bread, and he gave thanks to God. He broke it, and he gave it away. Best catering. What about all the sick people that he healed? Everyone who was brought to him, there wasn't one case that was too extreme for Jesus. Everyone who believed that Jesus could, he did. Everyone. Did Jesus heal everybody in Jerusalem? No. But everyone that came to him, everyone who he was called to help, Jesus healed them. He's the best doctor that's ever walked the planet. My friend and elder, Charlie Blair, makes me laugh. He says there's only one thing that Jesus was horrible in. Jesus was a horrible undertaker. Because every time he got around a dead body, it came back to life. That's good, right? He was different. So he's going around and he's doing these miraculous things. He's teaching with power. He's, thank you, Jake. He's teaching with authority. Let's give it a hand for Elder Jake. I believe that. It's, you didn't turn it into wine, though, brother. It's just water. Thank you, Jake. Thank you. When Jesus is going around and doing this, people are amazed by the freedom that they're having, the healing that they're experiencing. The, 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 the scriptures are being taught with such authority that they're like seeing. And so like just when the time is right, God sends Jesus to begin a new part of the story. But even today, there are some of you who are, who are here that today is your day of salvation, that today is the proper time on a holiday weekend when you had every excuse to stay home or go to the lake and go swimming or whatever you do at the lake that you're here because God wants to open your eyes and he wants to show you, teach you, give you something new today. You couldn't have heard it yesterday. You couldn't have heard it last week. He needed you to hear it today. Jesus was so different that the religious people, all the smarty pants in his world, they didn't like him. They didn't like him so much that they actually wanted to kill him. Anybody ever had anybody mad at you? Just raise your hand if you ever had anybody mad at you. Now don't raise your hand on this one, but I bet very few of you had somebody try to kill you because of that right? This man had uh, his number called and people were literally trying to take his life because they hated him so much. And they set out on mission to do that. They set out on mission to kill this Jesus who was doing these great things. But here's what they didn't know about Jesus is he actually was sent to die. He was on mission to give his life. And so that's where the story goes. We know this a speed forward. Jesus gets to the cross. And he outstretches his hands and he crosses his feet and they put nails through his hands and nails through his feet and it hurt. It did not hurt him because he was God's son. It hurt him. And from the cross, he cries. And on the cross, he screams. And on the cross, he's in agony and pain, just as you would be if you were nailed to a tree. Now, Paul tells us this. Paul tells us that our struggles are not with one another. Paul tells us that our struggles are with the unseen things of this world. We don't ever think about that, right? It's easier for me to get mad at you than to get mad at the unseen things. But here's what happened on that day. When Jesus is on the cross, you have the religious elite who have cast their accusations. They're walking around making fun of Jesus, saying, you saved others, save yourself, come off the cross. But there was also something happening that you don't, you didn't see and that they didn't hear. And it's what's happening in the unseen because you have this guy, this, uh, what do we call him? Lucifer, Satan, the devil. Man, hell is throwing a party when Jesus is on the cross. He's throwing a party. They think they've killed God. They think they've won the battle. They think that, hey, it's accomplished. We finally finished what we started in the garden. I got that man and woman to believe the lie. Now we've just convinced these religious elite to believe. And now look what we've done. 
But amidst the ACDC song playing in the background, you just picking up on that? Above the noise playing as hell throws a party, the enemy hears something from the cross. And he, he, he tells him to stop because he was pretty sure he heard it is finished. And it kind of stops the enemy, this, these unseen. What did he mean by it is the people on the ground didn't understand it either. Now, I have grown up in a Baptist church my entire life. And I don't know what uh, denomination or church background you might have. Uh, you may not have one, which is great. If you don't have a church background, um, you're going to get to learn something brand new. Most of you have a church background living in Kansas City. I can guarantee you, no matter where you were raised, you were taught this. That, and it's right. I'm not saying it's not right. Please don't Twitter that Matt. No, th- this is right. You were taught that on the cross, you were saved. That when Jesus died on the cross, that you were saved from your sins. That at the shedding of his blood, Jesus says it is finished, and it was. And in that moment, he reconciled the things of earth to the things of heaven. And when Jesus or when God looks down at you, he doesn't see your sin and your mess. When you trust Jesus, he sees you covered in the blood. And you're saved. And you tell people you're saved. And you ask people if they're saved. And we've grown up in a Christian culture that talks about at the cross, Jesus saved you. But I want to share some information with you, an observation. The devil don't care that you're saved. It's on the screen, so you can remember this. The devil don't care that you're saved as long as you walk around like you're not. The devil doesn't care at all that you have salvation if you still walk around in chains. Don't raise your hand. But if anyone ever been under house arrest, some of you have. I know some of you have, right? That would would be miserable. Here's the deal. Some of us, if we're not careful... We're under earth arrest. You're free to travel the globe. You can go anywhere you want. You can take a vacation to wherever you want to go to in bondage. Everywhere you go, man, you just don't have any power. You don't have any authority. And you'll grumble in Aruba like you grumble in Kansas City. You just, we, just, we, just, we just walk around wherever we want to go as saved people living like we're in bondage because we haven't understood what else happened on the cross that day. At the cross, Jesus saved you. If you come in here today and you're honestly concerned about death, if you come in here today and you have no idea about purpose for your life, if you come in here today and you carry around this weight of guilt over decisions that you've made in your life, if you walk around uh, as you come in today as a person who just doesn't understand what this whole world and life is about, purpose Forgiveness direction is found in Jesus on the cross. He has saved you from despair. You are no longer lost. You are found. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save those who are lost. If you were to read John 3, 16, the father loved the world this way, that he sent his one and only son, that whoever would believe in the son would not perish, but have eternal life. Like there is something like this is not it. There is more to the story. Once we die on this planet, there's something more to the story. So did Jesus save us on the cross? Absolutely. But there's, there's, there's this other thing that Jesus did that we don't ever talk about. And I don't know why we don't talk about it, but I, I got to give you some, a little bit of scripture and theology to help you understand it. When sin entered in the garden, when Adam and Eve chose to follow a new leader, 
all of a sudden, every person that followed them, them and every other person that followed, their life had a time stamp on it that you were only going to live for a certain number of days. And ever since that time, death has been a part of our story. Everybody in this room has lost somebody. Everybody in this room uh, uh, knows that someday that you're, you're going to breathe your last. Like it's a, now why? It's because of sin. Because of sin, every man is appointed to die. That's why. But you got to think about Jesus. He was different. Remember me saying he was different? He was so different that Jesus said, I only do what the Father tells me. I only do what I see the Father doing. Me and the Father are one. I am with the Father. I am him. When you have seen me, you've seen the Father. That, that's, that's, some, that's some unity, right? He was the spotless lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus never sinned. When he was faced with temptation, he didn't give in to it. He never sinned. He never crossed the line. He never told a lie. He never stole. He never murdered. He never did the things that he shouldn't do. So if you, if you understand that, and then you know that, well, everybody dies because of sin, then the truth would be Jesus never had to die because he had no sin. But remember, Jesus wasn't murdered. Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice to save us. And so that's why we have the resurrection. Through the mighty power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus resurrects from the grave. Imagine the conversation that you weren't privy to, where Jesus looks at death and he looks at the grave and he says, I owe you two knuckleheads nothing. I owe you nothing. I've never sinned. I don't have any penalty to pay to you. So guess what? I ain't staying dead. I'm not staying dead. I'm going to resurrect. And here's the power of the cross and the resurrection. And in my resurrection, I'll take back that authority that Adam and Eve gave away. Jesus reclaimed the authority that, that Adam gave away, like he has it. And he even said to his disciples, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and teach people to obey everything that I've commanded you. So if Jesus has the authority, why do we walk around so defeated? Why are you worried about your job? Why are you worried about your health? Why are you worried about your family? Why are you worried about your career? When Jesus is our leader, we get to be under his authority. And so if you're timid about something, it's not because Jesus is weak. It's because in that moment in Christ on the cross, whether you know it or not, you regain your authority back. So like you all have this like capital letter A that you walk around with. It's your authority. You're in charge. You have been uh, requalified to be fruitful, to uh, subdue and rule over. But every time you give that, you can give it away. You can get mad and you can give it away. Red Hot Chili Peppers wrote a song about it. Give it away, give it away, give it away, give it away now, Right? And you walk around your whole life and you give away your authority. You give it away. You give it away. You give it away now. Somebody makes you mad instead of aligning what you should do under Christ and forgiveness and speak the truth and love. You give your authority away and you allow some other person, some other emotion to come in and you just rip into people and you let them have it. You feel like you're done wrong. So you make it right. And we just continue to give our authority away and we do what we want to do. We do what we think is best. We see what we think is right. And we just give our authority away and we step in. And can I just be the one to pop your little leadership bubble? There ain't a man or woman in this room that was made, created to lead at that level. You were never created, meant to lead your life in that way. That's why you're so bad at it. That's why you're so bad at it. You realize that when you rule your life, it like it's like run into a wall. Has anybody ever experienced that? Whenever you go and do what you want to do, 
you just kind of, it's like a head-on collision with disaster. So because you were never, Jesus is our leader. We were created in the image of God to be in a relationship with him. And he wants to be your leader who guards you and guides you and leads you to a prepared place. But at any moment, like Adam and Eve, you can say, you know what? I want a new leader. And you give your authority away. It's your choice. Your authority shows up not always in um, sin, like this blatant sin stuff. Sometimes your authority shows up in your identity. Like you do things so people tell you good job. You say things so people say, oh, you're so good. And your life is all about trying to please people when your identity is in Christ. And your authority is in Christ. Your authority is nowhere else. Like you have authority in Christ. In the minute that you step outside of that, you don't. So here, here's what I want to say to you. We got 10 minutes. Where do you need to reclaim your authority? Where do you need to stomp your foot and say, no, no, I'm done. I'm done giving my authority away to this behavior. I'm tired of giving my authority away to this frustration. I'm tired of giving my authority away to that person who just created. How do you reclaim the authority and align your life to Jesus so that he can do in you what he wants to do in you? Whether you come in this room grumbling or not this morning, authority is an issue for every single person here. And so here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm done. Pete's going to sing a song called I'm No Longer a Slave to Sin. He's going to sing it kind of calm-like, calm-like for Pete. I'm not asking you to stand. I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you to be selfish in your prayer. I don't want you praying for somebody else. We can pray about somebody. We We can do that later. These next few moments, I want you to pray for you. Don't pray for your spouse. Don't pray for your sick kid. Mark, I want you to pray for you. Where are you giving away your authority? Where are you not acting like a child of God? Allow the Spirit to speak to your life this morning. If you're here and you're like, man, I... I've actually never talked to Jesus in my life. Man, the first step, and this is your day of salvation, is to confess Jesus as your leader. I ain't asking you if you believe in Jesus. I know you believe in Jesus. You're at church for crying out loud. I'm asking you, have you confessed with your mouth and aligned with your life to make Jesus your leader, the boss, the Lord of your life? Don't skip that and go right to a prayer request. Jesus, be my leader. I've never asked you. I believed in you. I've believed in you, but I've never confessed you as the leader of my life. Today, I changed that. The words are coming. I'm not asking you to think it. Please hear me. I'm being very specific. You need to say out loud to me, to someone, I confess Jesus is my leader. I'm going to follow him. You can do that up at the altar. You can do that right there where you sit. You can bow and pray. The room is yours, right? Through your tithes and offerings, you pay for it. It's yours. (laughs) We're going to sing. We're going to worship. And um, I think I've said what God wanted me to. Lord, we love you. As the church as a whole, you are our leader. You are a good shepherd. 
I love the fact that you lead us. God, today is about freedom. Today is about authority. Today is about you. May we realign our eyes and our life to who you are, not all of the fear and the doubt in our life. Jesus, continue to minister to our hearts through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.